Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Monday morning, so let's overreact together to another weekend of Mississippi State Bulldog Athletics here on the Believe Network. Yes, it's time for another Overreaction Monday here on the Doghouse. And do we have some things to overreact to? The Diamond Dogs pull off a very necessary sweep of Princeton to get themselves a little bit of positive momentum going into SEC season. The Basketball Bulldogs uh, score a, uh, well, maybe not entirely necessary, but acceptable bid to the National Invitation Tournament. And much more necessarily, Mississippi State will be making a decision soon on who will be replacing Ben Howland. Now, there was a uh, premature report on Sunday, of course, and some media outlet deserves to be, uh, shall we say, outkicked in the head for really jumping the gun, jumping a whole battalion of guns, in fact. But we do know that their change is coming in that regard, so we'll be addressing that a little bit later in our podcast this morning. But first, let's turn to the Diamond Dogs, because... A three-game sweep over Princeton, okay, it's exactly what you expected, but still, it's also what Mississippi State really, really needed. They were 7-7 seven and seven going into the weekend after a split with Texas Tech. Like one good win, one tough loss, the most quality opponents played so far, and you have a winless Tiger team coming in. Now, to be fair, they've uh, played some really good games, some good teams in their snowbird trip down south, but... Uh, Coming in at 0-7, State was supposed to take three, and they did. Uh, convoluted order, dominated Friday's win, d- decided to bang the Saturday game because of impending weather, which turned out to be a wise call because as I'm sure you've seen the photos of Duty Normal Field turned into ba- essentially an ice skating rink, which would have probably have favored the Tigers from New Jersey, in fact, much more than the Bulldogs. Either way, a convoluted Sunday doubleheader, 9-7. and a seven. State scrambles to win the first game and uh, dominates the second Three-game sweep. Now they are 10-7 and seven overall, getting ready for one more non-conference game, which, by the way, has been moved up. It was scheduled for Tuesday against Binghamton, the Bearcats, in case you were wondering. And even if you weren't, they're the Bearcats. They've been in Tuscaloosa over the weekend and didn't have a good time. The 28-8 final margin of scoring in losses to the Crimson Tide. But uh, they decided to go ahead and move the game up to Monday, 6 o'clock, get that one done ahead of weather, and to let Binghamton get it bound back up to New York and maybe have some sort of spring break of their own. They're 3-9 and nine coming into the game, by the way, and Jack Walker will get the ball tonight for Mississippi State in his second start of the season, and perhaps he can lock down one of those midweek jobs and clear things up because State's got a lot to get cleared up here as far as um, the weekend, the rotations, the relief r- orders, closing, all sorts of things. Because as Coach Chris Lamonis calls it, this weekend starts play for the League of No Mercy. <laughs> Maybe he ought to trademark that, Kamato, because it sounds a whole lot better than just, it means just means more. But then again, it does mean more. It's Georgia this weekend. It's SEC opener. How do the Bulldogs feel about themselves? Well, definitely better after scoring the first week of the season. Yeah, sweeping a winless Snowbird squad is not normally news in these parts. This 2022 team isn't off to any normal starts, which has resulted in a lot of abnormal moves for, well, the last several weeks, and it's still not over. Uh, as Coach Lamonis said Sunday following the sweep, he said, I need some guys to step up and play. I've told the team it's time for some guys to win some jobs. Some years we've had a set lineup. Right now we're bouncing all over. And are they ever? 
Five Sunday hours of baseball in that revised twin bill bounced the Bulldogs from near disaster over nine innings. Thank goodness that State caught a base running error by the Tigers. Uh, and it, it turns out the umpires probably caught it too, even as Lamonis was walking out there to say that batters had passed each other and the ball was in place so that it should have been out, which it was. That's how State's able to hang on and win a 3-2 game. They were dangerously close to getting away from them at the very end, and would that not have been a bitter outcome there? Uh, the seven-inning game to finish off went much more routinely, but here are just a couple of numbers throughout for the weekend. State batted in 297, a welcome dozen multi-base hits, one more walk, and a strikeout total. The staff ERA of 1.80. Yeah, a seven-inning game kind of complicates the calculations, but just go with it. 39 strikeouts against eight walks, that's good news too. Yes, that is exactly what a Mississippi State is supposed to do against a team which has not won a baseball game in over two years now. Bless them. But then these Bulldogs are still seeking something, maybe almost everything. As Lamona said, the jobs are here for the winning, even if it only means winning it for a weekend. That in and of itself would be a degree of progress because State's having to move some people around and the fact simply is that when we talk about winning jobs, historically, that would be who's going to play positions. Right now, winning jobs is winning a place in the batting order. And from there, the defense takes shape. Ideally, it'd be the other way around. You're trying to put together your best defensive lineup with a bunch of quality hitters to choose from. State does not have that luxury right now. So what they're doing is working on the offense first and foremost, and then patching together a defensive lineup as necessary from there. Take a couple of the um, kind of bold moves that uh, was made over the weekend. Most of all, switching Cameron James to left field and plugging in Slate Alford at the hot corner. Now, Alford's a good young player. He certainly has a fine future here at the Bulldogs. But you think about it, you've taken a guy, James, who up until then had been the only dog to start every game of the season to the far at the same position. And I mean every game, because obviously Logan Tanner is every game he's played. He's been a catcher there, but he hasn't started every game at catcher. Whereas Cameron has been your third baseman. You're taking a guy who is now getting really comfortable at that corner and putting him in the outfield where maybe he's uh, not quite so comfortable there and moving some other people in. That's because, A, you've got to keep Cameron James in the batting order, and B, you're figuring out Maybe Alfred can be another addition to uh, the offensive lineup. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about taking shortstop Lane Forsythe and being the defensive security blanket he is to all the pitching and using Tanner Leggett there at the shortstop position. And they did that for um, most of two weeks. And yet for the Princeton series, there was Forsythe back in the six hole, back batting ninth, four hits on the season, but he's... The, the guy's been snake bit. He's been making really good contact at times with just nothing to show for it, and that kind of epitomizes much about this lineup there because the quality of contact is actually better than the batting averages are showing. But those are the kind of moves that Coach Chris Lamonis and Jake Gotro are making with their defensive lineups to get the best possible offensive combination out there. As for DH, well, it's, uh, it's HH. Hunter Hines... He was one hit by Princeton in three games. Okay, maybe that takes a little bit of the gloss off him, but I'm telling you, the way he hammered the ball in Biloxi with those five RBI and um, a horse hide, which is probably floating around the Gulf of Mexico still at this moment, 
it solidifies his status as a state swinging star of the future. <laughs> Maybe a star of the present, in fact. Yeah, they're going to be rough patches, assured, once he faces SEC pitching every weekend. But this kid can kill a baseball. He needs to be there, where there's four, five, six hole, somewhere in there. So if you've got DH pretty well figured out, then it comes down to what are you going to do with guys like Kellum Clark and Luke Hancock? Where are you going to play them, obviously, but how do you mix and match them in there? And, and two, I mentioned Logan Tanner. At some point, he's got to have some breaks behind the plate as well. He can't catch every pitch of every inning of every SEC game, and Hancock is your next catcher. Fortunately, that hand injury he had in the Texas Tech series did not turn out to be serious because that would have been a really rough blow if State had to suddenly start replacing him both in the order and at first base. So for now, and I do stress for now, Lamonis and Gotro are trying yet another leadoff dog in Hancock. He is far from your typical order topper, but honestly, at the moment, do you really see such a specimen on the MSU roster? Eventually, I expect somebody to emerge as the guy with that ideal combination of bat control, hit for average, get on base, move around the bases, make things happen. Right now, you just don't have it out there. You've got to go with your the, the best bats you have available at the time, and if that means putting Hancock up first, well, that's what they're going to do. Now, that does leave Cameron James swinging second where he belongs. He needs to stay in that RBI position. He's not really hot by any means. Uh, in fact, his average has slumped a little bit the last couple of games. The thing about James, though, is every time he comes to the plate, you catch a little bit of breath out there. You know every swing has big potential, whether it's home run, gap power double, or just good contact to move people around. So you can leave him at second. Over at the other end of the order now, Brad Cumbus. Maybe he's not getting the huge hits that he did a couple weekends ago when everybody's raving and saying he can't, you know, you can't take him out. Well, you still can't take him out because in the last eight games, seven of them, he has either a hit or an RBI or both of them. And Kellum Clark, oh goodness, a guy who struggled so much for so long during the start of the season, he destroyed Princeton practically by himself, going eight of 11, five runs, three extra base jobs. I mention all those to point out that, is this the long-sought answer? Is this order that you saw against Princeton what's going to be state, the one that state rides through SEC season? Probably not. E even under the normal nature of things, guys get hot, guys get cold, guys get banged up. But more than usual, this order and thus this lineup will be in flux for a while, maybe all of spring. And... Uh, oh, for the sake of your mental health, I would strongly suggest that you fans spare yourself the stress. Let us professionals do all the studying of where state stands in the SEC statistics for a while. It's, uh, we have the stomach for it. But there are hints that the guts, no pun intended, of a productive batting order are available there. They've just got to find their places, get into a rhythm, figure out what to do when, how to lay off the breaking stuff, how to hit sink or, better yet, stay off the sink and come through in RBI situations because State is getting people on bases. That's one of the frustrating things about this team. They're getting signals. They're getting walks. They're getting hit by pitches. State is working their way onto bases. They're just not moving around nearly often enough and certainly not scoring close to often enough. But you see that they have the potential to get it done. And as you know, Lamonis has talked often about some veterans need to play like veterans, 
And that's true. Don't deny that a bit. But it's the point now that some of the younger guys have got to play like veterans. And once you're over a quarter of the way through the season and you had a, a few turns out there, you're getting close to veteran status. And let's say about a couple of weeks into SEC season. And by the way, purely based on initial impressions, and this will probably come back to bite me in the behind, the SEC scheduling has done state a little bit of a favor by starting them off against Georgia and Alabama. We talked about this the other day that, um, you know, Georgia still has a good record, but their record against uh, top competition is a little bit off. Alabama's had some issues there. State's got a chance to get off to a good start in SEC season if they can figure this out offensively and, of course, the pitching hold together. We'd love some clarity on Lynn Sims' status. For now, we're just going to operate under the impression that State's best arm is being reserved for waving runners around first base. Now, stop me if you've heard this before, but Chris Lamona said, mon- said that uh, tomorrow, I'm sorry, Monday morning, sometime, ought to bring some injury updates for presumably Sims, Stone Simmons, who did not throw last week, and KC Hunt, who hasn't hurled since the opening weekend. If you can get a couple of those guys back, obviously Sims most of all, but I, none of us are optimistic on that point. But Simmons, who complained of arm stiffness in the uh, game at Tulane, and KC Hunt, again, who threw on opening weekend and hasn't tossed since. If, if you get those guys back, it frees you up to make some other decisions because right now, if you're going to set the rotation for the opening weekend, it would appear to be Preston Johnson, Cade Smith, and Parker Stinnett. And, and I might as well throw Jackson Fristo in there as well because you recall last year, as we've talked about before, how Scott Foxhall was able to basically use co-starters in Game 3s for so long during the season. I would expect that kind of uh, deal be going again with Stinnett and Fristo as co-starters, essentially, if they don't have to throw either of the earlier two games. And that's a big if at this point. Because, frankly, who in the bullpen do you truly trust at this point? I'm not sure there there is anyone who just jumps out there and say, yeah, we feel good that this guy is going to do it. As, as Lamona said in Sunday, it's been a struggle of late. And, boy, is that an understatement. And that instead of using guys in regular roles, like, okay, it's the sixth inning, we need you to get this guy. It's the seventh inning, set this, this pitcher up. Instead, it's all been about matchups. He and Foxhall have decided to stick to matchups. And that's not ideal. It's not how you want to work a bullpen, but at this point, that's what ex- exactly they're having to do. He just simply said that the state is not pitching well out of the bullpen. No surprise there. He does repeat, the guys are good. The arms are there to do it. And his quote was, it's his and Foxhall's job as coaches to get that out of them. If they can, you feel better about the chances, certainly, to get off to a good SEC start at Georgia. And by the way, let's also thank the SEC scheduling computer for not sticking state with the one early starting series. Because, again, Stennett and Fristo had to throw over this weekend. There's no way they'd be ready enough for a Saturday game if they have to. Thankfully, State doesn't start until Friday, and um, for anyone who cares, the early starting series this year is Ole Miss at Auburn. Yeah, I reckon there's probably some out there who do care about that. Anyway, with the Binghamton game being pushed up to Monday, the Bulldogs can invest a little more practice time, maybe some rest time, and then head to Athens and get ready to play on Friday. Because whatever else has come before, the Bulldogs are excited to start play, their coach says. And they ought to be because SEC baseball season looms for Mississippi State. 
Meanwhile, back at the Humpty Dome, and yes, I reckon the Bulldogs, at least some of them, are probably in there, at least in the Mize practice pavilion, because their season continues. Not in the NCAAs, of course. That's been settled for a couple of weeks now, that barring an SEC tournament run, which was never going to take shape, State was not going to play in the NCAAs. They did feel pretty good about an NIT bid. I say they felt good. I don't know how good the fans feel about it. And honestly, I don't know how the players feel about it at this point. But Mississippi State has accepted the NIT's bid on their behalf with a trip to Virginia. By the way, guys, um, if you get there early enough, I can recommend a pretty nice pizza joint that I found during the 2013 Charlottesville Super Regional. Um, Had a good meal there. Better time with the baseball team. Yeah, good times to remember. Good times to remember is not exactly how we're going to talk about this 22 basketball season. I do suspect this team will probably want to play some. Again, I don't have any inside information into their collective state of mind about hanging around to prepare for the NIT appearance. Some state teams I've covered in the past would prefer just to scatter for what's left of spring break. And uh, those teams certainly played that way once in the NIT. They might as well have saved all the travel money and time. I, I really think, though, that this team will want to play a little bit more basketball and playing out of Virginia, a place with a national championship banner to show in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Maybe that'll provide a little extra motivation for some of the guys to try to put on a show. We could also be cynical and say that they might want to put on a show because some are thinking about, okay, end of the season's coming, Time to uh, make a little impression on, A, whoever my new coach is going to be, or B, provide more material for my entry into the uh, transfer portal. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that's the modern reality of college basketball. All sports, true, but more so basketball at this stage of the season. Some of these guys are calling it a career. They know that. Some are already thinking about applying to the portal, giving it thought. And everybody that can return is playing wait and see on who's going to be the next coach at Mississippi State. Um, You know, message boards are far from your ideal measure of public opinion, but general fan enthusiasm for another game or two seems about as strong as um, the enthusiasm college kids this week stuck in an expensive hotel room watching spring break rain would be. Bless the Bulldogs who do want to keep playing. Maybe they can keep playing a while longer. And it's, and it's a rather large irony that Ben Highland's two NIT trips produce probably the high points of his tenure at Mississippi State. Right, that's not what you hire a Mississippi State coach to do, to win NIT games or to get bids to the lesser tournament. It's to get a bid to the big dance and win a game there. You all know that record too well. Seven seasons one NCAA tournament appearance, and one game total. That's why a change is a coming. Now, I mentioned that uh, some media outlets have already tried to jump the gun with the news, um, calling it a firing, resignation, retirement, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's going to happen. It's in the immediate future. It did not happen because the NIT news was still awaiting. Now, understand, I'm not averse to using an interim coach should it come to that. I'd kind of like to see George Brooks get a chance to be a head coach for a change at the college level. But that's just being silly. The thing is, Mississippi State prefers, and rightly so, to allow Ben Howland to coach out his career with a degree of dignity. And hey, based on those previous trips, maybe some final successes as well. 
And let's clear up a really strange theme espoused by some of our message board geniuses that delaying this news is hindering the coaching search. Come on, be better, y'all. There isn't a viable candidate out there who's going to shy away from Mississippi State for showing the current coach some well-earned respect and letting him take care of these last few games while behind the scenes, he or his rep more likely do the negotiating, figure out, do I want to take this job? Is Mississippi State going to make the offer to this, this candidate? And Mississippi State has to do it from their own vantage point as well. So, again, I, I like the idea of letting Howland finish it out. I don't get the idea that some fans have of, you know, throw him to the side, you know, less, almost like they want to dance on the body or something to make themselves feel better. It won't. Trust me. It never does. Here, here's another reason, though, too, to think that the NIT can be a positive as well. The team's still on campus. They're assembled already. Say Mississippi State finds the guy and names him this week. The team is here, conveniently, ready to meet. He doesn't have to make a scattered number of phone calls say, Hi, I'm your new coach. What's your name? Uh, just He can meet them face-to-face, and they can start getting an early judge of, Do I want to play for this man? And vice versa. The coach can sit there and say, Do I want these guys to play for me as I rebuild? No, rebuild, that's the wrong word. That insults what Howland has done. Howland rebuilt the program. This is a competitive program again. It's not in the NCAA tournament. True, and that is the level of competitiveness you want to reach next. Then winning in the tournament is the further level beyond that, but first you've got to get back to it. But you would never even be close if Ben Howland had not come in, ate some really rotten years, and rebuilt this program with good, solid teams. In fact, he succeeded in building rosters and teams to a point where the expectations were merited for the NCAA, and because he couldn't push them over that, that's why there's going to be a change. But make no mistake, the program is in infinitely better condition than it was when he arrived on campus years ago, and he deserves respect for that. Just as whoever comes in is going to inherit a program that has a chance to do something serious fairly quickly if you can avoid damage from the portal, bring in your new guys, got the four recruits to hold as well. Oh, and there's another reason. Um, Some are complaining about um, playing this NIT game on the road with Virginia despite the seedings. Well, there's a good reason for that. Mississippi State is ready to get down to the serious groundwork of the Humphrey Coliseum renovation. Yes, quite a bit of work has been done peripherally as far as the wiring, the piping, other things like that. But now you can really start tearing into the existing structure and start getting as much done as you can. Yes, it will, it will disrupt the coming season, and that's something a new coach and his team will have to endure, not to mention you fans as well. But they can start it now because the Mississippi State women's team obviously is not playing postseason. Congratulations on naming a new coach, by the way. Um, not crazy about bow ties, but uh, if, all you need to know about the selection of that and why Doug Novak was not retained is simple. The introduction was top recruiter, top recruiter. And that tells you all you need to know about what Mississippi State thinks about the state of women's basketball. Get the recruits in, and the coaching will follow. So that's our little side segue into women's basketball at the moment, but the good decision there by the administration to take care of this. That's been knocked out of the way. 
I suspect that the um, men's coach situation will be settled fairly quickly, depending on how soon the season ends for the coaches involved in there to make the final decisions. And then we can get busy about starting to rebuild the program there. And um, that's about it. Is that enough overreacting for this Monday? Maybe not a little overreacting, just reacting, period. Um, Not much controversial going on in that regard. But boy, we'll have a lot to talk about this coming week as Mississippi State gets ready to take on Georgia to start SEC baseball season as basketball plays out the string here on Ben Howland's seventh year. And we start to get to know our new women's basketball coach as well. And oh, by the way, Mike Leach and the team are off and away on their own spring break. But when they get back, some weightlifting, some getting in shape. And March 26, spring football practice begins on the Mississippi State campus. And we'll be around to cover it, along with all the other Bulldog goings and comings and actions and inactions and reactions. And that's what Monday's about. Time for you to overreact. So check us out also on jeanspage.com. By the way, the uh, feature on the all-1980s baseball team has drawn quite a response. Um, I'm rather pleased that most seem to agree with most of my picks. But it wouldn't be Bulldog baseball if there weren't those arguing that how could you leave fill in the blank, out at this position. That's the fun of it. It's still there to be read, so check it out. And other material, Mike Nemeth and uh, Steve Robertson and Robbie have good coverage on the baseball series Princeton. Robbie has a full slam coverage of the hiring of the new women's basketball coach. And Paul Jones is keeping track of how Bulldogs prepare for their NIT appearance against Virginia. A lot happening in Bulldog country, a lot to talk about, and that's what we're here to do in the doghouse. This is your host, David Murray, on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.